Welcome to Imaginarium, an alternate history of art, a podcast where we delve into the most obscure parts of art history. Hello dear listeners, I'm your host, Naja, and in this podcast we try to shed lights on less studied parts of the history of art and visual culture. In today's episode, we're going to talk about the posters for the movies of the French New Wave. So let's begin. First of all, before we dive right in, I think it's important to really talk about what was the French New Wave, and what it meant for the world of cinema at large. And then, we'll get to discuss the actual posters that were created for these movies and learn more about the visual aesthetic of this movement in the second half of the episode. The French New Wave, or La Nouvelle Vague, as it's called in French, is a cinematic film genre that started at the end of the 1950s and throughout the 1960s in France. The French New Wave movies were movies that wanted to break the old rules of filmmaking and challenge the norms of the film industry and storytelling through that medium. It was artistic and new and a much-needed breath of fresh air in an industry that really needed it. Before we really get into it, I just need to set the context, mostly the historical context, in the movie industry during that era. This period in history was a time where the movie industry, especially in Hollywood, was breaking with what used to be the traditional way of filmmaking. The studio system of the golden age of Hollywood was falling down, and this eventually made way for newer and younger filmmakers with a new vision of what movies were meant to be. It's possible to see a real break between the cinema that was produced in the first half of the 20th century versus the one that was created during the second half. As I said, the decline of what is known to us as the Hollywood studio system is what made possible for newer methods of filmmaking to see the day. But what is the studio system, Najah, you asked? The studio system is the main way movies used to be made during the first half of the 20th century. These big film studios, some of which are still around today, such as Paramount Pictures, Warner Brothers, and Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer, were the ones who oversaw and controlled the entirety of the production of movies. The studios oversaw everything, from the actors, who are often tied up in very long contrasts to a specific studio, to the directing and the editing. The studio system made it so that the movies were really credited to a studio rather than to a specific director. You would go to see an MGM flick or a Paramount movie, but it wasn't really about the directors or the writers. It would be about the actors, though. The star power of certain actors was incredibly important to draw people to the cinema. Hence, why the studio would try to tie them down for a very, very long time. Anyway, if you want to know more about the history of cinema and Hollywood during that era, I can recommend a few things. First of all, I recommend the podcast uh, that I really adore from Karina Longworth called You Must Remember This, which is an amazing podcast that focuses on the history of Hollywood during its first century. 
and it's really so fascinating and she's so so much more knowledge on the subject than I ever will so please do check it out the second thing that I can recommend in terms of learning more about cinema and cinema history would be the YouTube channel called Be Kind Rewind, which focuses mainly on actresses, but is absolutely delightful. The important thing to remember here is that the studio system is a way of making movies that was more about producing them very quickly, and that didn't really give the credit to a specific person, but to the entire studio. The French New Wave started during that period when the studio system was slowly but surely dying out. It all started with the cinema magazine called Cahiers du Cinéma, or Notebooks of Cinema, in 1951. Even though it was founded by Jacques Daniel Valcroze, several future French New Wave directors such as Jean-Luc Godard, Eric Romer, and François Truffaut were writing for the cinema magazine. At that moment in time, they were only film critics and talked about their opinions of, about the movies they watched and what cinema should be like. Truffaut wrote an article that later ended up being the quote-unquote manifesto for this younger generation of filmmakers. This article was titled A Certain Tendency of the French Cinema and was published in 1954. There was a definite climate of wanting to rethink the cinema as it was, to make it something that was more representative of the youth, of the lives that they were leading. And then, they made those opinions and reflections on cinema, reality in the shape of their own movies, and thus, the French New Wave was born. The movies that came out during the French New Wave had a very specific style, and also a new set of stories that the filmmakers wanted to tell. The French New Wave, with its new form of storytelling and its desire to freely capture how people truly lived and experienced emotions, had a different type of cinematic visuals, a more realistic and yet somehow, in my very humble opinion, a more fate and cinematical and theatrical way of filming a movie. It was all very so modern and contemporary, dans l'air du temps, as some might say. Some of the points that characterizes the movie of this genre will be, and this is far from being an exhaustive list and is neither an exclusive list, just some points that were often found in these movies. So without any further ado, and without any order or whatnot, there were very often long tapes. The movies were shot directly with the light that was available as they often shot the movies on location instead of using lavish and highly produced extravagant sets. The camera was often handheld and the editing contained a lot of jump cuts and a choppy non-linear editing instead of the accepted, normalized chronological continuity. This era was mainly a period of transition. There was a desire to take cinema in a new direction because people were bored of the old cinema. I mean, not everyone, but you know what I mean. In a period of cultural transition and cultural change, it was logical that the way of making movies would also change as well. With a revolutionary inclined youth came, of course, revolutionary cinema. They started to make the transition from film critics to filmmakers during the second half of the 1950s. 
finally become the well-recognized film director that we now know. Along with these iconic directors were a lot of key actors of the genre. Actors such as Anna Karina or Jean-Paul Belmondo. Their movies often reference American films, especially movies such as gangster and noir movies, but also they often reference each other. It would be possible to find a reference to a Truffaut movie in a Godard movie, and vice versa. Their movies were adding a level of intertextuality and layers upon layers of references from cinema history, which showed that these movies were made people who cared terribly about film. One of the key components of the French New Wave is that it's the genre that effectively started the concept of the auteur when it comes to cinema. So this era is the first one that brought to the movie the concept of cinematic authors, a concept that shaped radically the way we now view films and filmmaking. The theory of the author argued that there's one specific vision, the one of the director, that is the guiding thread in the whole entire movie. Meaning that the movie is no longer considered like an amalgam of the work and efforts of several people like it used to be, overseen by the all-seeing eye of the studio, it instead become the apotheosis of the vision of one single person. It's a theory and a way of seeing things that still permeate the way we think about cinema in today's world. We can think about current filmmakers such as Guillermo del Toro, Wes Anderson, Bong Joon-ho, to name really just a few of them. Like, there are so many filmmakers that have such a distinct way of making films to the point where it's easily recognizable. You see a Wes Anderson movie, you know immediately that it's a Wes Anderson movie. You see a Quentin Tarantino movie, well, for better or for worse, you know that it's a Tarantino movie. And no, do not ask me my opinion on this filmmaker. It won't end well for any of us. <laughs> Anyway, the idea of the auteur truly shaped the way we think about filmmaking. We consider the director as the sole creative power behind the movie, and while it's a decisive one, as I said previously, it wasn't always like this. This way of thinking also somewhat gives credit for the creation of an entire movie to a single entity, and it was the French New Wave who really solidified that way of seeing things when it comes to directing and creating movies. Auteur, or as it usually is pronounced in French, auteur, simply means the author, the writer, and it really does put a lot of creative power and also the credit for making movies solely on the shoulders of one single person. The authors of the French New Wave and whom we will be talking about very shortly, are people like Jean-Luc Godard, François Truffaut, Agnès Varda. This new wave of rebellious filmmakers ended up completely changing the way cinema was approached. The main directors of the genre all knew each other somehow, from Truffaut and Godard who were close friends, to Agnès Varda, who was married to Jacques Demy, the circle of French New Wave filmmakers was a small one, where everyone knew each other, and whose movies were all in the general vibe of the era. 
And yet, somehow, the consequences of these movies can still be felt today, even in mainstream Hollywood cinema. There's a lot of French New Wave movies that I could talk about, but I think one of the most significant ones is the movie Breathless, or Abu Souf, by the director Jean-Luc Godard. For me, all of his movies are the best example of what a French New Wave movie is. With movies such as Pierrot Le Fou, Alpheville, A Woman is a Woman, Contempt, and Band of Outsiders, he rapidly became one of the title directors of the movement. With movies such as those and his very unique style of directing, Rodal very quickly became one of the most well-known cineasts of the French New Wave, both domestically and internationally. So Breathless, 1960, from the director Jean-Luc Godard, is the one movie that is really emblematic of the new wave and the changes that were starting to happen in the industry of filmmaking in France. Starring Jean-Paul Belmondo and Jean Sebert, this movie follows a French criminal on the run and his American girlfriend. And more than the story it was telling, it was the way that story was told through the medium of film that really shook the public the critics, and the film doers of the time. The movie was shot mostly with a handheld camera and the way the editing was done was against all the understood rules of editing and how to put together a movie. I mentioned Rudal, but let me just talk very briefly about the movies that were made during that era. You had François Truffaut with his autobiographical series with the movies The 400 Blows, or Agnes Valda with her documentaries and movies that were so uniquely infused with her talent as a filmmaker. Please watch her movies on Criterion Channel if you have it. There is um, Le Bonheur, Happiness, or the iconic movie Cleo from 5 to 7, which plays in real time and is one of her most famous movies and one of the best of the genre. There's also her husband, Jacques Demy, who shot Lola, Don Tichtin, The Umbrellas of Cherbourg, and The Young Girl of Rochefort. All of these movies are very interesting. If you have never seen a French wave movie, I really highly recommend them. Even just visually, it's very interesting. now of the episode and we're going to talk about the aesthetics and the visuals of the French New Wave. So when it comes to the visual aesthetics of the movies, the French New Wave really did bring a new way of thinking about cinematography and the actual act of filming and of thinking about the way the movies were also edited. It brought a distinct way of thinking about the visual elements of the movies, as well as the way that medium is used to tell a story and which story to tell. For that specific generation of filmmakers, they sought to experiment and push the boundaries of what it meant to make a movie. And while a lot has been written about the movies of the French New Wave, there hasn't been as much that was written about the visual assets that accompanied these movies, namely the posters that advertised these films. 
In the same logic of how the French New Wave movies brought this newer, younger vision of cinema, the same thing happened when it came to the visual posters to advertise these movies. It made sense that these posters would also be shocking and modern to showcase what kind of movie you were going to see. It wouldn't work to create a more traditional layout of a classic Hollywood 1950s poster when the movies were so different from what people were used to. Maybe you know, with the start of the movie in the forefront facing the camera, the title of the movie and the name of the actors, and despite you know having those basic elements in their design, the way they were graphically arranged in these French New Wave posters was drastically different. Visually, these new posters were very defined with bright colors, a lot of primary colors especially, and geometrical patterns and a lot of collage designs. This was also the beginning of the 1960s with the influence of the general change in the fashion and culture and that was also influencing the trends of graphic design. What is particular with the French New Wave as well as the changes in the visual aesthetic is that it wasn't just centered in France within that French New Wave movement, but more that the French New Wave movement was something that was reflecting a bigger change in mentality that was happening during that era. The 1960s is known for being a period of change and transition. So this means what was created then reflected the rapid changes that were happening. The creators, from the filmmakers to the graphic designers, were all pushing boundaries and generally accepted norms and conventions when it came to the medium they created in. It was all very, very defined visually, which, which makes sense when we think about which movies they were supposed to represent and to sell, because posters are really a method of selling a movie. So these posters also pushed boundaries when it came to visual arts and graphic design with new layouts and shapes with vibrant colors. These posters showed the beginning of a new film genre. René Ferracci was a French artistic director and poster designer. Born in 1927 and dying in 1982, Ferracci was one of the most prolific poster designers of his time. Mostly between the 1950s and the 1980s in which the French New Wave is squarely in. He was one of those poster designers that ended up working several times with the same director for their movies. I did a lot of posters, five from what I could find for Jean-Luc Godard, and nine for the movies of François Truffaut. So even though he wasn't the only poster designer working at the time, of course, uh, he was really of his time and within the general trend uh, for graphic design. I also think it's fair to say that he was probably one of the cornerstones of how the visuals of the movie poster of that particular cinematic genre developed, since he did so many of the iconic movies of the genre, from Belle de Jour to Pierrot le Fou, as well as Stolen Kisses and The Bride Were Black. 
He designed the posters for some of the most eponymous movies of the era and really, really helped create the visual identity of that era. Visually, all of the posters from the French New Wave are colorful, striking. They were the symbol of a new generation that was taking the world of cinema by storm. Some of the techniques used for these posters were the use of vibrant colors. It's possible to see that the use of primary colors such as blues, yellows, and reds is very prominent. These colors are bold, daring, and very much in your face. The work of Juino Bourdieu's for Shoot on the Pianist, 1960, shows the character over a solid, bright yellow background. It just makes for something that's very bold. Sometimes there's this contrast of the images of the characters in black and white against that colorful background, as can be seen in one of the posters for Vivre sa vie by Bessie. The use of geometrical shapes is also very prevalent and is also the basis for the composition of a lot of these film posters. Stripes and circles and various shapes of all sorts. Collages and photo editing also take a prevalent part in the visual landscape of the 1960 French New Wave posters. As poster designers were trying to make more visually compelling posters, they really made a lot of effort to try new techniques and methods to push the boundaries of what is traditionally accepted in terms of poster design. So, before we go, I put a bunch of relevant resources on today's subject in the show notes. Uh, you have some books as well as some theses and articles that you can read if you maybe want to further your knowledge and read more on the subject. I also linked a letterbox list with the must-see French New Wave movies. And as always, all the relevant images will also be on all of our social platforms at imaginarium underscore pod, on Instagram as well as on Twitter. If you want to support this podcast, you can do so on Patreon at patreon.com slash Reviewing and rating this show also helps tremendously. And before I bid you all goodbye, today's recommendation of the day is a book I, that I really adore and that has been adapted in a movie during the period of the French New Wave. I haven't talked about it because it's an American adaptation of a French book which means it does not fall in line within the genre of French New Wave. But I still think it's a marvelous book and movie, so I'm I'm now recommending you both the book and the movie Bonjour Christesse, which literally translates to High Sadness, by François Sedan as well as the cinematic adaptation of it in 1958. And on this My very dear listeners, I wish you all a very lovely day, evening, or night, and hopefully I will see you again very soon. Mm